This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation, here again today with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about amenities that will help you attract residents. Obviously, in our business, the name of the game is happy, satisfied, paying customers. So in order to get there, what do you need to do for your customers? Well, you need to attract them uh, by a number of things, including price, but you also need to have, you want to keep them and retain them. And you do that by providing value, giving them a nice place to call home, a true community. <laughs> now, there are pros and cons to adding additional amenities to your park. The obvious con is you got to pay for it. Uh, the pro is the residents get the benefit of it. But there's other pros and cons you need to look at. Things like risk of, you know, an insurance claim, you know, for example, a playground. It's one we're going to go through. Kids could fall off the playground. So you're going to want a, you know, a warning sign, a liability waiver, if you will. And I've got a copy that I can send you. Send me an email and I'll get you a copy of the, the verbiage that we use on our playground signs to kind of protect us from liability. But you're going to want to talk to your specific insurance provider as well for some of these things. Um, some of them are probably not going to matter. You know, adding flowers, not going to be a concern. Putting in a pool big concern. You need to make sure you have proper insurance. But in the end, the goal is to provide a safe, joyful environment for your residents. And that'll keep them happy and keep them coming back month after month after month. So I'm going to jump into them. I've I've identified 17 amenities to help attract residents to your mobile home park. These are in no particular order, but I'll give a couple opinions as far as pros and cons. First up is a community center. Community center could be as simple as a, a little room for people to hang out, you know, read a book, etc. I've seen community centers that have, you know, arcades, that have pool tables, ping pong tables, you know, uh, eating areas. Sometimes the office is attached to these. Sometimes there's other ancillary things like the pool and playground attached to them. But community center, you know, you're probably not going to see this in your, your lower tier parks or your small, you know, 10 to 30 lot parks. But you'll definitely see them in your parks for 200 lots. So community center would be a great amenity to have. The second amenity I'm talking about here is a playground. Playground, you could get as, you could get as cheap as a thousand bucks. I would recommend more like a $3,000 lifetime playground. If you've got a big community or if you've got a lot of kids that you want to attract you know, and fam- young families, then you may want to splurge for something a little bigger, you know, $10,000, $15,000 playground. Obviously, that's expensive. I just I just became pretty fortunate myself in my hometown. The school district closed down a bunch of schools, and one of the guys that bought the abandoned schools is converting them into senior housing. He had no need for the playground, so I was able to buy three commercial playground sets, about fifty grand a piece. I was able to buy three of them for ten grand. Uh, so that was that was a good find by my dad, and we had to you know we had to take them down, repaint them, transport them to three different cities. And then install them. So we were all in for probably eight or nine thousand dollars a pop. But we got a heavy-duty, large playground. It's been a nice amenity, really kind of going above and beyond for our residents there. Number three, you can be pet friendly. Uh, you got to talk to insurance. Some people and some people don't like dogs at all in their parks. But if you let people have dogs, you know you're gonna have, you're gonna be ahead of the competition, at least from an attraction standpoint. 
Uh, we've even built dog parks in some of our communities. You know, just little fenced-in areas where the dogs can run. Uh, in the in the communities and in the communities where we do allow dogs, we have real strict rules that one, we have to have pet insurance covering us as an additional insured with a liability amount of at least three hundred thousand. That costs about two dollars a month on top of renter's insurance, so it's very inexpensive, but it's massively beneficial to me as the landlord to protect me. And then the the next rule we have is your dog can never be left outside alone, meaning not definitely not running around and and not even staked up. The dog must either be A, in your house, B, attached to a leash with an adult human's hand on the other end of that leash, or, or C, in the dog park. And if you have a dog that's aggressive or has any sort of other problems, it's a one-strike policy. You're going to get rid of the dog. Uh, but that's, that's a scary issue. And if a dog you know, eats a five-year-old or something, you're going to be, it's going to ruin your weekend for sure. Luckily, thank God I never had that happen. Uh, number four, a grilling and seating area. I've got one of these right by the dog park, and it's just picnic benches. You know, I, I buy some old grills. Like you see grills on the side of the road. You can take an old propane grill, and the, the tank doesn't work, and just turn, convert it into a charcoal grill. Um, those can get kicked around and knocked over by kids, so the better option would be to buy the, the heavy-duty grill charcoal grill that is cemented into the ground. This is kind of a common amenity at RV parks. I think it's becoming more popular in mobile home parks. Uh, it seems to get pretty good use. So the downside of that is sometimes it creates a place for you know, teenagers to loiter. And, you know, if there's kids in my community, that's not a big deal to me. But depending on where you're located, I've got one park on a busy street. And I don't want a bunch of neighborhood kids hanging out smoking cigarettes. And, uh, you know, just, you know, collecting after after dark and all that kind of stuff as well. So that's why I got rid of some fire pits too. You know, I don't have that on my list as an amenity. But fire pits are, you know, people like them. But I don't want to provide a community fire pit because it creates just an area to hang out in the dark that I don't really want to attract. Number five is horseshoes. This is a pretty inexpensive, you know, game for people. The downside of horseshoes is, depending on your community, you know, you've got a, you know, an object, a projectile that you're just leaving there on the ground for somebody to throw. So associated with with horseshoes is things like you know, bags or cornhole, you know, frisbee golf. Those sort of items can be thrown. Obviously, a frisbee is not going to cause as much damage as a horseshoe. So pros and cons to that, but very inexpensive. Just I, I've done it with like a cornhole game and stuff. People. You know, say okay. You're at least you care a little bit, and then you're put giving me some free games. Those sort of things are hard to maintain, frankly, because kids just they just disappear. You know, they get broken, you know, horseshoes go missing, all that kind of stuff. But a pretty inexpensive amenity. A new one that is really popular here in Kansas City is pickleball. I don't know if you've ever played pickleball, but it's it's kind of like a mix between ping pong and tennis. It's been really popular. I've even seen some apartment complexes tear out their old tennis courts and put in pickleball courts with seating areas. So that's kind of where I get some of these ideas, too, is, you know, the, the MH industry's been a little behind on the apartment industry as far as amenities and, and design and some of these things. So we can catch up and just kind of steal some of their ideas. Uh, the next one is a bocce court, bocce ball. I don't know if you've ever played that. It's like a small bowling ball. And you, you, you throw them, and then you, th- you, throw, you throw a little ball, like a golf ball, and you throw the bocce balls, and you try to land closer to the golf ball. It's basically an excuse to sit there and drink beer with your buddies and pretend you're athletic. Uh, but it's, it's kind of fun. I've got a bocce set. Uh, i got a little bag of it in my garage. We get it out and play sometimes. Number eight is a swimming pool. I think everybody knows what a swimming pool is. Obviously, this is a potential liability risk, uh, massive expense. I do not currently have any swimming pools, and I don't intend to put any in. Personally, but if but if the, the you know the big parks that the big institutional guys own that are 200, 300 lots, I think this is kind of expected to have an amenity like this. A newer, cheaper option, uh, number nine, would be a splash pad. 
or you know kind of a splash park um, my kids and I go to one of these near our home it's not in the, my community but it's a, it's a it's a city park and it's basically little water fountains and you know flowing water and it's it's, it's softer land so it's it's safer so to speak than concrete um, probably less liability for sure less expense you still got the water expense you still um, have an installation expense I've been trying to get budgets on one of these. I think I've heard they're around twenty-five to fifty grand to put in, so not inexpensive. I've not put one in myself. I've I've been thinking about it, which is why I'm getting some bids. But it's a it's a pretty you know pretty nice amenity to add to your community. Number ten is a laundromat. These are I don't see these very often anymore. I've had some parks that have laundromats, but they're the old original laundromats back when the you know the trailers were eight and ten and twelve feet wide and they didn't have room for you know, washer dryer. All the new mobile homes have washer-dryer hookups, at least, so you see the laundromats going away. Some people love these because they're, a, you know, a cash cow, and, you know, they don't, record, they don't report the taxable income of the coins and stuff. The downside of a laundromat to me is it's, it creates an attractive place to, to hang out um, or, or potentially a place of, uh, of risk. You know, if I was a young woman, I wouldn't want to be in the, you know, in the laundromat building doing my laundry at 10 o'clock at night, and anybody can just come in and being there with me so you if you put one of these in i definitely would recommend security cameras and or limited hours or limited access number 11 is bulk cable and internet this is a lot of people do this i'll tell you honestly it's it's pretty hard to get this get negotiate bulk cable internet unless you've got a big portfolio i was trying to do it for a couple hundred lots and it was at one time in in the same kind of trade area and they just laughed at me like you're you're not big enough. And I went through Worth Telecom, it's a big company that does this, and they're like, we can't get you in on your own. We got to piggyback you on another contract. We got another ten thousand unit con- uh, contract going in. Well, that, that, so that so it was going one. The challenge was being big enough um, in a certain trade area. Um, two was making it worth it from a brain damage and an expense. You know, the 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 goal here as a park owner would be, hey, your tenants are spending one hundred and fifty dollars a month, for example, on cable and internet. You sign either an exclusive or a non-exclusive agreement with, you know, called Spectrum Cable Internet, and they give you bulk pricing at, say, $50 a month. You then provide that as an amenity to your residents. Say, hey, free cable internet. But by the way, lot rent just went up $51 or $149. And you can, you know, make some extra money, but also give some savings to your residents. I'll tell you, uh, I got a client that did this, and he hated it because now you're now you're basically the utility provider. And if you have problems with your internet and stuff, the the te- tenants can call you. Sometimes, if you give an exclusive agreement, you now have uh, you have you're taking away HBO or you're taking away Comcast or something else from somebody, so they get pissy at you. So that could be a challenge. Um, the other challenge that I had a park that I was going to do this on, I was like 50% occupied at the time, and I had to pay the the rate per month for every lot, including the vacant lots. So I didn't want to do that until I got to like 75% occupancy. It was kind of like my break-even point. And once I got to that occupancy, I still ended up, it didn't make sense for some of these other negative reasons. So I, I have not actually done bulk cable internet. I've come close two or three times, and I, I just, it's never been, I never got over the hump with it. I know a lot of big players do it, but you know, the last time I did it just because that trade area just didn't make didn't make sense from a size perspective. Another benefit of it for the landlord is they will give you a per door fee up front. You know, maybe a hundred dollars a door. So if I had a park that was like ninety three units, I was you know it was nine thousand three hundred bucks right out of the gate. That would have been pretty cool. But there was an obligation to pay on an ongoing basis. 
Number 12 is a gated community. I think everybody knows what this is. This would be more common in a, a very high-end, you know, perhaps a senior-only or perhaps a coastal community where it's actually gated entry. Number 13 are water features. These could be as obviously as small as a little water fountain to as big as there's a park near me that has a massive lake with a gazebo island in the middle with a big water fountain. I mean, it's a $100,000 plus feature. So but those sort of things make people feel like they're in a real neighborhood, right? And, and same thing with landscaping, number 14, is like make this place nice. You can, and you can do landscaping for, you know, $1, not, probably not one, but you could do $100, $100,000. But it adds it adds some, you know, ambiance and some, some nice touch to your community. We typically plant rose bushes. The next item, number 15, kind of covers this flowers, fencing, signage. We typically plant, put white picket fencing at all the corners of our parks and then kind of an entry gate, and then we plant two rose bushes in front of each one. So you may you may have 60, 60 rose bushes. <clears throat> so not inexpensive if you're paying 15 bucks pop for them, but it's well worth it in my opinion because if rose bushes make it the first six months, and we like to use knockout roses that grow three, four feet tall, um, if they make it the first six months, which basically means you water them once, once every couple days at the beginning and then once a week, then they'll last forever. Um, for the most part. And I've got knockout roses in front of my house. They're 15 years old, and they, they still look great. you got to trim them up once a year, but not really that big a deal. Uh, signage, we usually put an entry sign at the front and back of the park. Um, you could do this as low as 1500 bucks. Really, you could do it lower than that, but we usually, we usually spend about 1500 bucks. put a rock wall around it, put some bushes and stuff in front of it, some mulch, uh, color, You know, put our Facebook logo and our name of the community, Maybe identify the school district or some other nice amenity. So signage is definitely an inexpensive way to improve the the decor of your park. Number 16 would be sports facilities. This would be, you know, perhaps a geographic base. But, I mean, you want to put in a basketball court, a tennis court. Uh, Some places have golf courses, believe it or not. There's one in my hometown that's got a a nine-hole golf course. Uh, Put in soccer goals. I'm going to look at putting some soccer goals in this spring. Basketball. And I mean, really, all of these. I think it, I would, whether or not I'd put them, spend the money on these would be depend on one. Do you have enough you know, youth that want to use it? But two, does the location attract more people than you want? So if, if you've got a park that's off by itself, like I've got one that I was looking at putting uh, kind of some soccer goals in that's off by itself. It's like on a state highway. There's no there's no walk up traffic, so I'm not worried about loitering or other neighbor kids. I've got another park that's on a really busy street. If I put a basketball hoop in there, I'd have 50, 50 kids skipping class playing basketball every day, and I don't want that. So I'm not. I'm definitely not going to put a basketball court in there. Um, but that's a case-by-case basis on the sports facilities. They're, I see them once in a while. They're not that common, um, in my opinion, but yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if it's 1% or 5%, but it's definitely not a third of all mobile home parks have a basketball court. Number 17, office maintenance and management staff. Is that an amenity? Yes and no. I, I consider it an amenity because, like, some of my parks, it's very, they're very low maintenance and very low staff. But that's just because they're stable or because there's no park on homes or because they're small. I've got some other parks where we have full-time maintenance and full-time management. And that's a big plus. And that's one of the things that, you know, we notice when we buy a park is there's often a ton of deferred maintenance. And the last guy didn't do anything. So the first couple of months, man, you're just bombarded with, the last guy said he'd fix this, the last guy said he'd fix this, and they never did. So having that level of touch, customer service, and presence is really something that tenants appreciate. 
And from a from a chaos perspective, we typically now have a we have a phone number as a grasshopper line. Ours is one eight three three MHP rent. You can call it if you want just to see how that works. Just say this is a test or something so that my team doesn't waste their time calling you back. But you can call that number and say, click one for management maintenance, click two for leasing, click three for headquarters. And that option three is really an opportunity for the residents to report something that about the manager. So if the manager's the problem, they're not. If they tell the manager, the manager's not going to tell me. So they can go to the manager's head by calling headquarters. That that almost never happens. Then anybody hits number three, but if they do, it's generally because you know, hey, I already called maintenance and the guy didn't show up or something. Um, but anyway, that's I think that's a, a nice touch to have that grasshopper line. It's pretty inexpensive. I think it's like thirty-eight dollars a month. And it goes straight to voicemail and gives you a transcription and a and a recording. So those are my 17 amenities to help attract your MHP residents. As you all well know, you know, attracting and retaining residents is is definitely one of the key key components of mobile home park ownership. Till next time. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.